whenever you saw the movie Patton starring George C. Scott, you may remember a scene where that General Patton was addressing an audience in England and he made a comment that the English and the Americans were two people divided by common language. <laughs> Actually, what he's talking about is that communication is extremely difficult and sometimes it's even more difficult when you think you are speaking the same language, but you actually look at things much more differently than you think. So think about it for a minute. Communication. I'm going to give a couple of principles about communication. We're going to be talking about some things never to do if you truly want to communicate. We're also going to be talking about things that if you do want to communicate, you definitely need to do. But before I do that, let me give a few principles here on the Dr. Joe show on marriage radio about what communication really is. Think about it this way. I'm going to give you the same sentence and I'm going to emphasize a different word I'm using the same sentence every time, but emphasize a different word every time I say this sentence. And I want you to think about how the meaning of the sentence changes. Okay, here's the sentence. I didn't see the man slap his wife. Hmm. Okay. You hear that and you say, okay, well, the meaning of that, well, you didn't see it. Okay, so if you say, I didn't see the man hit his wife, oh, then maybe the man did hit his wife, but you're saying that you were the one who didn't see it. Or I didn't see the man hit his wife. Oh, are you implying that you maybe saw somebody else hit her? I didn't see the man hit his wife. Now it sounds like you're thinking, hmm, wait a minute, maybe you saw the man hit somebody else's wife. And so just by emphasizing a different word through that sentence, as you go through it, you change the meaning of the sentence. And therefore, when the other person is listening, he or, he or he or she is going to hear something very different based on what you just said, based on which words you were actually emphasizing. Hmm. Does it get worse than that? Well, actually, it does. Think about it this way. If you're going to picture the way communication takes place, let's just put uh, a guy here on the left. We'll call him Charlie. And here's a guy on our right. We'll call her Mary. And Charlie's going to try to communicate something to Mary. Now, the first thing that happens is that some kind of a thought takes place in Charlie's head, and he wants to communicate that to Mary. Now, how is he going to do that? Now, assuming they can both see and hear and speak, what Charlie's going to do is he's going to figure out what words to encode that thought with. Then he's going to actually, at the same time, be putting it together with various facial expressions and body language. And even the way he's going to emphasize those words. And so what he does, he starts with a thought, and now he's encoding that thought. And then he sends the thought across to her. Now, if we're watching that thought go through the air, if we could actually see that happen, what we get interesting is now is, is she going to hear that without any kind of obstruction? So, for example, as he sends that thought through the air over to her, he has said it now, encoded with his own vocabulary, with his own emphasis on words, with his own facial expression, with his own body language, and et cetera. Is there anything that's going to interfere with that actually being received by her? For example, what if somebody else catches her attention halfway through that so that she misses a word or two or an inflection or a facial expression? Or suppose that she's already so much concentrating on what she wants to say next that she's not really interpreting very well what he says because she's not really paying that much attention to what he says. Now, if that's the case, she's not going to receive a good reception. A reception is not going to take place as it would anyway. Now, whatever she does receive, whatever she receives, now she has to interpret the code. You say, what do you mean? Well, now she's got to figure out, okay, what did that vocabulary mean? The way he emphasized the words, the tone of his voice, the facial expression, the body language – 
And so she's unencoding, she's decoding, if you will, whatever she has picked up, which may not be what he sent if any kind of distraction took place in between. And once she decodes it, now she has a thought in her head. It's a wonder if ever the thought that started in Charlie's head winds up being the exact same thought that winds up in Mary's head. And when she responds, you get the same trouble going back the other way. Now, that's what communication is all about. When we were babies and we tried to communicate, we didn't have words, but we still tried to communicate with sounds. And we got very frustrated when other people couldn't understand those sounds. And so you look at a little baby and here he or she is trying to communicate and they cry or they laugh or they scream or whatever else. And when they finally begin to understand that, wait a minute, some of the sounds I'm hearing have specific meanings. And that's how they begin to learn a vocabulary. And so the child begins to learn a vocabulary as he or she begins to grow. And as that child learns that vocabulary, now begins to be able to have some words to say, to put things into. And sometimes they don't get those words just right. They misunderstand what this word may mean. And therefore, when they're trying to communicate, we still have trouble with them. And so what we do is we take those sounds as we grow up from children, whatever culture, whatever language, whatever country, we take those sounds and we start learning meaning with those sounds. And then we start learning the subtleties of those sounds about the inflections and so forth and so on. Now, that's basically how communication takes place. And somewhere along the line, in a culture, people begin to define a particular sound or a grouping of sounds as a word. And so if we say comfortable, okay, those are several different sounds put together to make a word. And then we understand what that word means. The problem is that even in a country like America, words can change meaning from region to region. So, for example, there's a game they play here in Middle Tennessee where I live. As a matter of fact, they have it outside of restaurants. They have it all kinds of places. It's called cornholing. That's the game they play up here. Everybody laughs and has fun. Where I came from, that word was a dirty word that referred to some terrible thing that occurred. And so even right here in our own country, the words can change meaning. Now, with all of that, you understand that we're saying communication is a very difficult and uh, a process that is a wonder if anybody ever understands anybody else. With all of that said, saying it's not just a cut and dried simple, here's how you do it. Now it's time for us to start explaining, okay, how do you really communicate in a relationship? Terry, we're going to be talking about tonight, that particular topic. This is my friend, Terry Cheatham. Terry is also the certified marriage coach for Marriage Helper. He helps me do our 911 workshops for marriages in crisis and also does counseling, or I shouldn't say counseling, coaching is the best word. He does coaching by Skype and by FaceTime and by telephone. Terry, welcome to the program. Hey, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. How much of that initial part there were you able to hear, my friend? I heard most of it. I got in at the very beginning. Okay. So based on what I was saying... You would agree, I'm assuming, that communication is a difficult process at best, right? Uh, yes, I would have to agree with that. Communicating <laughs> with one another is, is very difficult at times. Okay. And so if in a process of communicating we have found ourselves um, watching a particular pattern, let me see if I can explain it this way. We know, based on the research, that met most arguments – in a relationship between a husband and wife or a man and woman, that most arguments are started by females. Now, don't get mad, ladies. This is not something I'm saying to put women down. We just know that more arguments are started by women than men, statistically speaking. We also know, though, that it's an interesting kind of thing, that 
often she'll start arguing before he actually shows up. And so let's say he's gone off to the store to get something and she's upset about something and she starts thinking about it. In her mind, she does what's called mind reading. Now, every couple does some mind reading. What it means is that we know each other well enough that we can anticipate what the other person's going to think about this or say about that. Mind reading in and of itself, Terry, is not a bad thing, right? It can actually be beneficial to a couple. Yeah, sure. It can be. It can be if you do it right. <laughs> okay. But let's say in our situation here, she's angry and she thinks when he walks back in the door, I'm going to say blank. And then she starts anticipating how he's going to react, right? Yep. <laughs> You're sitting up thinking, communication is not my strong point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anywhere talking about communication. So, what she thinks is, okay, when I say this, he's going to say that. Then I'm going to say this, and then he's going to say that. And then I'm going to say this, he's going to say that. And so, by the time he walks in the door, she's already escalated the argument that he doesn't even know they're having yet. And so, when he walks in, she blasts him as if they've been arguing for five minutes already, or 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, and he's going, Whoa, what happened? What we're saying there is this. Is that, by the way, blaming the woman or saying bad things about women? No, according to Gottman's research, John Gottman's research, that basically is dependent upon how he treats her the rest of the time. If she thinks, oh, he's going to be listening, he's going to be kind, he's going to be trying to understand me, then she does not escalate before he gets there. On the other hand, if she knows that he generally is going to escalate, that he's going to get mad, he's going to get angry, he's not going to understand then what we are saying by this is the escalation she does before he gets there is all based on the way he's been treating her before. And so if we're going to have communication that really takes place, where that people understand each other, it can't just be, okay, now we're into our serious discussion. Now I need to be listening and understanding. It means it has to become part of the lifestyle, the way you guys interact with each other. Otherwise, people are going to be interpreting things all kinds of ways, thinking, well, but I know what you're really thinking because I know what you usually say. I know what's usually going on with you. And through this mind reading process, we wind up having these misunderstandings because we're not truly hearing the other person. All right, so let's give you a list of very quick things not to do. If you're going to communicate, you need to stop these things right away. Not just in a time when you're disagreeing or arguing with each other. You need to stop these things, period, altogether, because it's the way you interact with each other all the time that will affect the way you interact or communicate when you're arguing or disagreeing, but also when you're just having regular conversations. So, Terry, tell them a little bit about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. For example, uh, as by the way, that's what Gottman called them in his research, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's one called criticism, Terry. Tell them very quickly the difference between a criticism and a complaint. A criticism, uh, well, a complaint is, is something that is – is real. Uh, if you have a complaint about something and you say, "I just don't understand what you're saying," um, I, I, you know, I, explain that to me. The criticism is going well. You know, you you always do that, or you you know, you're stupid, or you're you're just not thinking clearly. Uh, there's a big difference between a criticism and complaint. A complaint is legitimate. Everybody has complaints. Everybody has complaints. Criticism is taking it to a different level. Criticism is when you're trying to make that person feel worthless or, you know, not that they're worth your time, things like that. Okay, so complaints are saying there's something I don't like, and everybody has a right to do that. Criticism, when you change it in such a way, is to imply there's something wrong with you. And so criticism is when you attack the other person's character. 
complacent when you're saying I'm not happy about a particular behavior. Now, there's another thing, another of those four horsemen, Terry, that's called defensiveness. Explain that very quickly for us, please. Uh, defensiveness is where you as the person take everything that someone says and feels like they're criticizing you, that they're complaining against you. You just become very defensive in your, in your speaking to one another. I see it all the time working with couples. One of them will be very, very defensive. Even if somebody has a true complaint or they have something they really want to deal with or something they really want to talk about, that person that they're talking to becomes very defensive. And it starts the conversation off in a, what I call an anger mode already. You know, I'm not going to listen to you. You're being, you're being mean to me. You're criticizing me. And many times I have to point it out. Well, you know, I think maybe you're being a little bit defensive right here because that's not what he or she is trying to say. So that's and, where defensiveness mm-hmm. comes in. Okay, and so defensiveness stops all communication because now I'm defending me, you're defending you, I'm not really trying to understand what you're saying, you're not really trying to understand what I'm saying. So defensiveness kind of goes back the other direction, like me, what's wrong with me? Let me tell you what's wrong with you. And then, Terry, there's a famous one called stonewalling. What's that? Stonewalling, to me, is probably one of the worst. That is where you just shut down. Uh, It is where somebody is talking to you, uh, you don't give any response. You may look away. People even walk away many times and just, you know, go off into another room. It is a form of uh, what, I, what I like to say, you're fighting, but you're fighting silently. You just don't care anymore. And you've got to a point where you're not going to listen to anybody. You're not going to give them eye contact. You're not going to do anything. And so basically stonewalling, what you're doing is not engaging with the other person who's trying to engage with you, which quite often intensifies what they're doing. Like, if I can't get your attention with what I'm saying now, I'll escalate. I'll get louder. I'll get meaner. I'll do whatever to get your attention. So stonewalling typically just makes things get worse. And then, Terry, there's the one called contempt. Contempt is basically just showing somebody I don't care anymore. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just at a point in my life where whatever you say, it's going to go in one ear or out the other. I don't like you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. you. You just make me sick to even be around. And so basically when you are showing another person contempt, you're basically saying, you disgust me. You're beneath me. You're not worth my attention and so forth and so on. And it's really, really destructive because it says to the other person, I see you as having no value. Not only am I not giving you any kind of affirmation about who and what you are, I'm letting you know that I think that you are beneath me. Now, these are called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And if you're doing these things, stop. Because even if you stop them just temporarily, let me, let me say that better than I was about to say it, stop them completely. Because you can't just say, well, I know I use those a lot, but I'm not going to use it in this conversation. So go ahead, honey. Tell me what you think. I want to hear. It's not going to work that way. You've got to eliminate it from the way you interact with each other altogether. And it may take the other person a while to notice that you've actually done it. So if you have been using the horseman, stop using them and anticipate that once you stop using the horseman, 
then the conversation between the two of you is going to begin to be different as the other person becomes less afraid that you're going to have those harsh comebacks, either the criticism or the contempt or the stonewalling, uh, none of those kind of things. Defensiveness, they know that you're really going to communicate. And so anything you do that's harsh toward the other person, anything you do that puts the other person down, that shows a lack of respect to the other person, anytime you do that, you are stopping communication, and he or she's not going to listen. So you've got to cut that out to begin with. Now, if you heard what I just said, it doesn't mean that you can go see your husband or wife tonight after the program and go, hey, I just wanted to stop these doing these things, so let's talk deeply and seriously right now. Because he or she is going to be waiting to see if you really are going to stop that behavior. So how do you communicate? Well, if you're really going to communicate to another person, it means that, they'll go back to the model I used earlier between Charlie and Mary, okay? Charlie has a thought. He's encoding that thought with vocabulary, with uh, inflections of voice, with uh, body language, with facial expressions and everything. And now he's going to send that across to Mary. If Mary's really going to get the same message that he sent, she cannot be distracted by thinking in terms of, well, but I know what he really means, or in terms of, oh, something else caught my attention over there, or in terms of anything else. Because if you're really going to communicate, what you should always do is focus on the other person and listen intently to what it is he or she is saying without being distracted. Now, in this day and time, that is hard to do. How many conversations, Terry, have you been with somebody? And right in the middle of the conversation, they look down at their cell phone at a text message that just came in. Uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is so common because, you know, in, in the world in which we live right now, I mean, go to a restaurant, watch a family interact, uh, and, and everybody in the family that has a cell phone is talking, is on the cell phone, checking Facebook, checking messages, doing whatever they've got to do. And I know that, even in my family, we do that. And there have been several times in the last few months where I will tell my wife, I'm leaving my phone at the house. You have yours in case there's an emergency, but I'm just leaving mine at the house because I know I can get easily, easily distracted. Uh, I am not the best communicator in the world. My wife knows that. And, you know, she reminds me of it almost daily. Uh, that was part of the breakdown in our relationship. And that's one of the things I give her permission to do is to, is to say, hey, you're not communicating with me. You're not talking to me. And, yeah, it's a terrible, terrible problem that we have. So the more serious you think the conversation is going to be, the more intent you must be to remove every potential distraction. So, for example, if you're just driving along through the country together, can you talk to each other? Sure. Can you communicate? Sure. But because of the fact that the driver is going to regularly have to be looking down the line, you know, what kind of cars are coming, where's the traffic light, uh, which, where do we turn to get where we're going, all those kinds of things occurring, then it's going to be more difficult, at least for the driver, to have a very deep conversation because he or she is going to be missing a lot of what's being sent by the other person as they've encoded another thing of the cross because he or she's got to focus on so many other things. Now, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, we've had some really great conversations driving to the country. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am saying this, and I think, I think I could actually bet on this if I were a betting man, which I'm not, which would be you still didn't hear everything if you were the driver. And so if you're going to have serious conversations with another person where you really want to talk about something, the best thing to do now is to make sure there is no television on, there are no cell phones on, there are no children that can burst in and grab your attention, those kinds of things. What you want to do is be in a place where you can literally concentrate on each other without fear 
of any kind of distraction. So it can't happen during the ball game. Okay. Now maybe you're sitting on the front porch. You look at the other person. There has been a, a thing out there for years saying that like 55% or more of all communication is body language and not the words. Unfortunately, even though I hear that quoted regularly, the, uh, the statistics on that just don't bear that out. We, we can't say a particular certain specific percentage of communication is body language, but we do know that body language counts. We do know that tone of voice counts. We do know that the look in the other person's eye counts. And we know that inflection, all kinds of things are going on. And if you truly want to understand the other person, it's so much better if you can look at him or her and he or she's looking at you. Now, we're not meaning by that that you try to stare him or her down <laughs> because you can intimidate the other person just by the way you're looking at them. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. It's openness. It's transparency. It's saying, I'm really focused on you. I really want to hear the words you say. I want to look at your face as you say it. I want to see your eyes as you say it. I want to hear every nuance of sound that comes through there. And I'm going to focus on you completely. So if you're really going to communicate, one thing you must always do, if you're really trying to communicate, is remove every distraction possible. Now, the second thing is, if you really, really want to communicate, what you want to do is to listen without being defensive, without trying to justify. As a matter of fact, all you want to do when you're listening is to truly understand what the other person is saying. Now, some of you out there probably had a class somewhere on active listening, which basically says something like this. When the other person says something, you feed back a sentence or part of a sentence to let you know that you're really hearing. And in the same process of doing that, you can kind of move the conversation on. And so the other person goes, man, it was just a terrible day today. I just hated it. I don't want to go back to work. You can look at the person and say something like, wow, obviously this day has been very upsetting for you. That's called active listening. It's saying, I really heard what you just said. And by affirming back to you what you just said, that you know I'm truly listening, you're now encouraged to say more. Now, you don't, I mean, if you want to take a class in active listening, God bless you, go for it, do it. It really is a very simple thing if you just want to concentrate on the other person. And uh, Terry, I'm going to ask how you do it in a minute, because I know that you listen to people for a living. But when I listen to people and I'm really trying to understand what they're saying, I don't make any judgments at all. I tell myself, I'm not here to defend myself. I'm not here to push or promote Joe. All I'm doing is trying to understand the other person. So I'm going to look at him or her, pay attention to what's going on so that we can have that sending without being interrupted or distracted. And I'm going to listen to whatever he or she says. And every once in a while, I'm going to say something back just to make sure that I'm really understanding, not just to move the conversation on, but to make sure I got it. So, okay, let me make sure I understand. Are you saying, and I do that quite often in conversations with people just to make sure that I'm really understanding. Sometimes they'll go, no, no, that's not it at all. Oh, okay. Help me. Can you explain it further? Other times they'll say, yes, that's it. And so what you do is you listen to understand what the other person actually has going on in his or head, his or her head and heart. You're trying to understand that. Terry, how, how do you become so attuned to another person to listen without defensiveness or making judgment as you listen? Uh, I, I think with me, and I, and I do this a lot in, in coaching and things like that, people will set up times with me and they say, can we just talk over the phone? Um, I can, but they'll say, or why do you FaceTime? Why do you use Skype? Why do you want to see us? I, like you, I want to look in that person's eyes. I want to be able to see 
what they're saying. And I know that sounds crazy, but you know, you can you can have a conversation with somebody over the phone and still not understand what they're saying, but when you look them in the eyes and you are giving them your total attention and they're giving you their total attention, it makes things so much easier. And it's not to look I, – I look at body language. I look at, you know, facial expressions. Maybe I'm working with a couple and one of them's talking and I'll see the other one roll the eyes or do something like that, and then I'll come back and I'll go, you know, what I heard her saying was this, but it seems to me maybe you didn't hear that. Can you explain to me what you just heard? And a lot of times it's going to be completely different. It's going to be completely different than what was said. Um I know that when I give my wife eye contact, I hear her so much better than I do if I'm sitting over here on the phone and sh- and she's talking to me uh, because we we are easily distracted. And not only that, but it just shows somebody that you genuinely care and that you have respect for them. When you give them that eye contact, when you give them that total attention, and as a therapist and a, and a, and a way to connect with clients, um, I got to respect who they are. I got to respect not only who they are, but where they're coming from. And for me, that is about active listening, making sure that I hear what they're saying. And like Joe said, he does this in conversations with us, the members of the team. He will say, okay, what I hear you saying is this, and we'll repeat back. Sometimes it's right on key, and sometimes it's like, no, that's not quite what I meant, which maybe means that I'm not communicating my thoughts very well. Okay, and so by doing that, okay, we've given two positives so far. The first one was remove as many distractions as you can if you really want to communicate. The second is you try to listen to make sure you understand what the other person says, which means you can't be defensive, and, and Terry's extremely good at that. That's what he does as a marriage coach and in the uh, other things he does as a, a counselor, that you must listen to understand the other person. So that's going to matter. Now, here's another thing to do. We've talked about the four things not to do, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Here's the third thing to do. Remember the first one? Remove distractions. Second one, truly listen and feed back at least enough to make sure that you're really understanding what the third person, uh, the other person is saying. The third thing is this. Affirm what the other person feels or thinks before you disagree. Now, sometimes you'll disagree altogether, like, hey, I see, I get it, I understand. But even when you disagree, if you start off by saying, no, no, wait a minute, you're wrong. As soon as you say that, you're going to shut the other person down. Oh, really? I'm wrong. And so there's a process where you can actually look at them and go, okay, I understand how you see it that way. Or I I can see how you see it that way. Okay. In other words, I affirm, if I were you, I'd probably feel the same thing. Once you do that, you have basically defanged the tiger. It's not now, okay, you're going to fight with me and tell me I'm wrong. You are affirming my side. You can understand why I see it the way that I see it. You understand what's going on here. Then I can now finally start giving back my side, say, okay, I understand how you feel. And sometimes I'll even explain how I understand how they feel. Like, you know, I had something happen like that to me one time, and I, I felt the exact same way. I get it. Now what I'm going to do, If I'm disagreeing, and I won't always disagree. Sometimes I go, I'm with you. We're right on together here. But if I do disagree, then I might say something like, now, even though I understand how you see it that way, can I give you my perspective on this? Would you be willing to listen? And I'll give you some examples of some things I've seen in Facebook. Somebody will write in one of our groups and, and we'll vent, which is quite all right. We allow people to vent about the anger, about how their spouses are treating them. 
They've got to have some place safe to do that. And we have a Facebook group that's a very safe place for people to say, can you believe what that rascal did to me today? And I don't blame them one bit. And often they'll say, and this is what I said back. And, and sometimes I'll read those things and go, well, I certainly understand. I would have done the same thing. And when I respond back to them, Terry, you can attest to this. Often I will say that. Hey, I get it. I would have felt the same way. I would have said the same kind of thing. But can I give you a different way to look at it? Can I give you a different way to think about it? Because once you quit being the opposition, as a matter of fact, I actually do this sometimes. In my mind, I picture a table and that the other person is sitting on the other side of the table and I'm sitting on this side of the table. In my mind, I mentally picture myself as getting up and walking around and sitting down on their side of the table. Like we don't have to be adversaries. We can actually be here to help each other. And so let's say that your spouse really comes at you really angrily. Let's say that you're arguing over, um, well, financial support because you're about to go through a separation or, or your spouse is threatening divorce and now your attorneys are fighting it out. And your spouse comes at you with all this mean stuff such as, I can't believe how greedy you are. I can't believe how that you want to make this all about money. Obviously, you never did care about me forever. You're going to put me into a financial strain and they're just venting and screaming and yelling at you, either in person or through text. They're saying these mean, negative things about you. It's the most logical thing in the world for you to react by saying, look, you scum, I didn't want this divorce to begin with. If you weren't running off with that other person, we wouldn't be in this mess. And so it's not my fault, it's yours. But as soon as you have that kind of conversation, it's just a battle. You have gone into a dance. The dance you probably have done before, where you don't solve anything, you don't resolve anything, it just gets angrier and angrier and angrier. So instead, you can say, you know, I can actually see how you would feel that way. Maybe if I were in your shoes, I would feel that way too. But may I have a moment to give you my side of these things? You think I'm being greedy, but you know, I've got this house payment and we bought this house together and now I'm left here with our children and our children need to have stability. And so if they can live in their same home when we're going through all these things, it is so much better for them. Don't you think? And to do that, there's a certain amount of money that I need. And I'm sorry if it feels as if I am trying to just rip you to shreds financially, but please at least hear my side that I'm not really doing that to punish you. What I'm doing is blank, 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 blank. What do you do? I am going to affirm, that's number three, your emotions, your feelings, rather than just stating that you're outright wrong. Because if what you feel is that, then that is true for you. And so I need to acknowledge it. And even affirm it in a sense. I get it. I understand. And then number four is if I'm going to disagree, that's the time to disagree. But to do it as calmly and gently and as logically as I possibly can. Now, I say as logically as I possibly can understand that logic does not always work when there's anger going on. But may I tell you my side, if the other person believes that you truly, honestly, genuinely are listening to him or her, then they're much more likely to listen to you. And so a fifth thing here on the thing of always to do, whatever your spouse tells you confidentially or privately, keep it that way if you want to continue to have open and honest communication. Because if they tell you something that you go immediately to other people and start saying, wow, he's doing this or she's into that or whatever. In other words, if you violate their confidence, if you violate their trust, then anticipate that there's not going to be any more open communication between the two of you. Now, if you're done with it and you want to stop communicating, go ahead with your bad self, just mess them up. But 
if you really want to have future communications, if your spouse tells you something that's revelatory, that's honest, that's open, that's transparent, then you protect that information unless you just need to tell somebody else. For example, if your spouse says, I think I'm about to go shoot myself. Well, yeah, you needed to call somebody and talk about that, like get some help in there. Or if your spouse says, I'm going to go shoot uh, that other guy, then you may have to tell somebody else about that too. If you believe that here's, you know, that, that this is really going to happen, then you've got to stop those kinds of things from happening. But otherwise, otherwise, when you can, you keep your spouse's or your significant other's secrets. So do you follow all five of those things? Let's see if you can remember them. <laughs> Let's see if I can remember them. Jerry, number one I said was you remove the distractions, right? Right. Okay. You remember what I said is number two? <laughs> Terry's on the other side of uh, of Nashville, but I could just I just had this mental picture of his <laughs> of his face going like what? <laughs> Do I, I guess I need to start taking notes. <laughs> Uh, 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 well, folks, he's already admitted that communication is one of his problems. I think you guys follow those points. You understand what I had to say. Terry, you ready to start taking some calls here then? Sure, oh, go ahead. By the, way, by the way, if you do the things we're talking about, over time, and it won't happen immediately, but over time, your spouse will start trusting you more, start becoming more open and transparent, and you can start really hearing each other. Oh, by the way, there was a thing I implied in there, I need to go back and state. Don't think that just because your spouse uses a word or a phrase that he or she's used before that you already know everything he or she is thinking or what she's feeling or what he means. In other words, try not to inter person based on past experience. Try as best you can to just interpret what's happening right now. And so if you think, well, yeah, I hear what he's saying, but he's lied before. I'm convinced he's lying now. Then you're not really going to communicate. You're not really going to listen. You're not really going to understand. If you can try not to interpret to the past as much as possible, try to find out, you know, listen to what's going on right now, what's happening right now. If you can do that, then if you follow the process we just talked about and do it consistently and regularly, particularly when the other person comes at you with those negative things, where you affirm their emotions and feelings, and then you give your side. That was number three and four, remember? If you do those things, then with time, your spouse will start communicating on a much deeper level. All right, back to that act of listening. One more thing about that. I uh, should have mentioned and I didn't, which is this. Sometimes, sometimes, particularly with men, now ladies, I want you to hear this, particularly with men, sometimes the first thing that comes out of the man's mouth is not going to be the same as the last thing. What I'm saying by this, some men think out loud. And so if you start reacting to the very first thing he says, you'll wind up stopping and arguing there. Because once you start disagreeing with the other person, he or she tends to lock down. If you just keep listening with that active listening we're talking about, well, let's see, I think what I understood you to say was this or that or the other. It's interesting how many men, once they talk for a while, wind up in a position completely different than the one where they started. You've seen that, haven't you, Terry, that men actually talk themselves into a different way of looking at things in the same conversation? Oh, absolutely, because we do. We tend to, most, most men tend to think out loud and we say something, and if you're listening and you're actively listening to what they're saying and repeat back to them what you heard, they may go, yeah, I said that, but that's not what I really meant. 
and so you give them a chance to to go back and and fix whatever they said. That's good. I like that. Or even, you know, that is what I said, but you know, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe I've, I said that, I've said that many times. I've I've said, you know, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. Can I, you know, can I rephrase that? So yeah. Me too, buddy. <laughs> Me too. And so particularly with men, ladies, the longer you let them talk while you truly, honestly, genuinely listen, sometimes they'll abandon what they started off with and, and you just can listen them out of it. Not argue them out of it, but just listen them out of it. Now, I know it's pretty difficult because sometimes what they're saying, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, you're so far off target. You know, you need to hear. But if you can just be calm and let him do that and understand also that what people say sometimes at the outset is a screen. What I mean by that is they're not telling you what they really think or feel at the outset because either they're trying to avoid the argument or they're just trying to make you mad, one or the other, or trying to hurt your feelings because they feel hurt. And if you keep listening to them rather than arguing back, sometimes even those things change. And after a while, they're saying kind and gentle and sweet things to you. Now, it takes strength to do the kind of things we're talking about. But if you understand the principle here, this works. Terry, I'm going to go a phone call here, all right? Is that okay with you? All right. Yeah, go for it. Okay. We're going to talk to area code 570. Hello, 570. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe and Terry. This is Sarah calling in. Hi, Sarah. What can we do for you tonight? Well, um, I have some questions actually somewhat relating to communication, and at this point, um, I don't really have much communication with my husband, but if I could just give you a little bit of background, then hopefully um, you guys can give me some, some direction or some advice. Um, uh, my husband and I have been married for almost three years. It'll be three years in, in May. Um, it's a first marriage for both of us, and we don't have any kids. Um, at this point, we've been separated for about three months, and I was the one that initiated that after some things came to light um, that he had been lying to me about, about different things, about where he had been, what he'd been doing, um, some specifically about he was unemployed and, and he was telling me he was doing job interviews and, and I had found out a lot of that wasn't true. Um, <clears throat> there are some mental health, mental health issues there that I, that I am aware of and had kind of come to the point of um, accepting and being able to live with that, but the lying was just too much for me to to handle, um, and just the broken trust. And I have I have listened to some and read some of your things about trust. But at this point, um, like I said, we don't really have any communication. I've basically left it with him and said, you know, if, if kind of if you would like to come back and work on this marriage and um, and try to fix things, you know, kind of left it with him. And unfortunately, in, in three months, he's only attempted to contact me twice. Um, we've had two phone calls. And so at this point, I'm just not sure if there's, there's if I should try to initiate more communication with him. Um, you know, and as far as communicating with him at this point where the trust is basically zero, um, how, do you, how do you communicate with somebody in that kind of a situation where what he's saying is one thing, but then what he's doing is kind of, um, not reflecting what he's saying. So that's that's kind of my situation. And I'd just be, um, you know, open to getting some input from you guys about that. Okay, Terry, you respond first, please. 
That, I mean, that's pretty difficult. I mean, when you're talking about no communications that maybe once or twice in the last two or three months, um, I I would encourage you to to maybe reach out and just see how he is. Something as simple mm-hmm. as, hey, I was just wondering, you know, how you're doing and those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what I'm about to say, please don't take the wrong way. Um, sure. Men, many times, many times, especially if in a job loss or something like that, uh, go into a, a kind of depression because men are men identify their their self worth and everything by their job and supporting family. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's basic knowledge. Um, and sometimes when they don't feel safe, that they don't feel like they can communicate very well with their wife, will make up stories. No lie. Let's just put it. Yes, mm-hmm. I sent sure. out twenty five resumes today, or I went on two job interviews today, and it's basically a, a fact of them. Um, trying to uh, ease into a conversation, you know, and mm-hmm. if you attack them right away going, well, I've got proof that you did this and i got proof that you did that, it, it, mm-hmm. it can really shut them down. My suggestion to you, again, would be just kind of reach out very gently. You're not expecting and don't expect any reply, but just say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here if you want to talk. We haven't talked in a while, and, and I just wanted to see how you are. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that now, kind of thing. thing I had done, uh, sorry, Joe. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One thing I had done when we had first separated, um, kind of for my own um, protection or peace of mind, is, is to ask him to initiate contact with me through a third party, which is which is our pastor, and not to have him involved in the communication, but just to kind of avoid a constant barrage at the beginning. A lot there was a lot of text and and things just as far as I can't live without you and I need you and all that. Um, that if he wanted to initiate conversation that he would, you know, text him and and just have him let me know that 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 was going to be happening so it wasn't kind of out of the blue all the time. Is that something you guys would recommend, or do you think maybe that would be detrimental from his point of view? Let me make sure I understand that. He was contacting you saying that I can't live without you, that kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would suggest that you not do that in the future. Here's why. When you have two people communicating with each other, communication can be open and honest and transparent. As soon as a third party enters the situation, the whole communication process changes. Now, for example, Terry does an outstanding job working with couples, helping them communicate when they can't communicate with each other. And that's when you need mm-hmm. a third party who can step in and interpret like, like Terry said a minute ago. You know, I heard something very different than what you just heard. Let me help it with that. But when people sure. are going to communicate openly and honestly with each other, even if it's like... I can't live without you, those kinds of things, then a third party can actually shut that down. Now, I understand what Mm -hmm. you were doing, but if I heard you correctly, what you said was at the outset, he was the one wanting to put it back together. Is that right? That is correct. And I mean, I've had the the two phone calls that I've had with him since he moved out. um, the, The third party hasn't been involved at all with that. It's just been between the two of us. Right, but, but you he, said you wanted him to text the other person first who would then text you. Right. That actually, that actually can shut down the entire communication process. So at one okay. point, at least, he was wanting to come home. At one point. Well, I mean, he right. desperately wants to come home. He just is. And, and he does now? That's, that's, he does. I mean, that's, what, that's the difference to me in what he's saying versus what he's doing. I mean, he will say, even when we got married, you know, he, he said a lot of things that didn't necessarily pan out. He said he was going to look for a job. 
um, right. different things like that. And at this point, I mean, when I, both times I've talked to him, he desperately wants to come home, wants to do all those things, but he's not. So, it doesn't am I hearing seem like he's say, actually willing to do anything. Am I hearing you to say that then that you think he's a liar? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And so your problem is, I think the guy lies. I don't want to live with him because he's a liar. Is that right? Yes. Okay. If he's lying, it's going to be for one of three reasons. There are one. The first category of liars is what we call the uh, get out of trouble liar. Like I'm going to lie to you because I'm going to get in trouble if I tell you the truth. The second kind of liar is the protective liar. I'm going to lie to you because I'm trying to protect you from something that's going to hurt you. The third mm-hmm. kind of liar is just liars. I mean, these are people who just lie habitually. That that that's their character. They don't they don't really have integrity in the sense of telling the truth. They have a big flaw. Of those three, which one do you think he is, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. I would probably say the first one to get out of okay. trouble and, and basically to protect himself. Okay. All right. So that's what happens. The second kind, the protective liars are protecting you. But the first one, they get out of trouble is protecting self. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's, if that's what he's doing, then this guy is rescuable. Now, the third kind mm-hmm. of liar is where you have the real problem. These are people you just can't trust because they just always lie. It's just part of their nature. But your mm-hmm. opinion is this guy's the first kind of liar. Now, mm-hmm. if that's the case, if if you want to help save the marriage, then you probably will need a third party because you don't believe he tells you the truth. Now, that can be somebody like Terry that you guys work with over the phone or say, FaceTime or Skype or something like that. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a counselor that you go see together. But we definitely would it, and, uh, suggest a third party when you don't believe the other person's telling you the truth. Now, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that you still love this guy, right? Oh, it's it's difficult to say. I mean, at this point, there's really nothing about him that I would I wouldn't necessarily love him or I want him back. But for me, the marriage vows that I made and the marriage covenant that I made are still okay. Um, so that's your motivation. That's kind of so, where I'm at. Okay, that's fine, and that's that's totally understandable. I get it. You don't know what you feel about him right now because he's hurt you. You don't know if he can trust you. I understand that, but I guess your beliefs and values are pretty strong, then, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, if that's the case, if that's the case, and if he really wants to come back, I strongly urge you to get professional help. Because with mm-hmm. professional help, somebody like Terry or somebody local where you live, obviously I'm prejudiced toward Terry because he works with me and I think he's awesome. But if you guys were to work with somebody like that, then this thing is rescuable. But some of that therapy is not going to be for the marriage. Some of that therapy is going to be for him so that he quits protecting himself and will risk telling the truth when he thinks he's going to get into trouble. In other words, this guy could be rescued as an individual in addition to thinking that the marriage can be rescued. Now, if he did tell the truth, I'm assuming there are characteristics and attributes of this guy that you fell in love with at some point, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, back when we were, you know, we dated for, for a year and we were engaged after that and it seemed at that point like there was things but now you know now with this history of finding mm-hmm. out about a lot of different lies it does make me right. wonder about how much of that you know looking I back understand. it just makes a lot of doubts in my mind of what was we, real and what was mm-hmm. you know I think it would do on. that so I think it would do that to anybody I think I would feel the same way Terry would feel the same way I get that but there at least were some attributes about this guy that you found lovable at one point. Therefore, if Mm -hmm. this man can be rescued, if he can stop lying, if he can come back to the truth, then it sounds to me like this marriage can be rescued as well. 
So Mm -hmm. you obviously have to make your own decisions and do what you want to about your own life. But here's my recommendation suggestion. Seriously consider telling him I'll I'll consider reconciliation, but here are the criteria. The criteria Mm -hmm. is that you will be involved with the therapist to help you with this. And part of that's going to be with me involved as well. And, Mm -hmm. And if we can get to the point where I can trust you again, then there's a possibility we can put this marriage back together. But we got to get to the point where I can trust you to tell the truth to do so. Now, if he is as desperate to come home as you say, I would think that he would agree to that and say, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'll do. I'll do that. Now, if you want to call us, you can our, our number, and we'll say it on here, and you can listen later in the rebroadcast of this, or you can go to our website. Mm-hmm. It's 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161. Okay. If you want to work with Terry, that's the number you call to do that, and you can arrange appointments with him through that number. If you'd rather use somebody where you live, then obviously you can do that as well because that's somebody you can look to face-to-face. But my suggestion, your decision, but my suggestion is tell him, here's the possibility. We may can put this back together, but here's what has to happen first. Now, if that works, we have a possibility of reconciliation. If it doesn't work, I don't think we can reconcile and maybe because he loves you and wants to be with you, that'll be enough motivation to get him to do what he needs to do to make this thing work. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I'm going to go to the next caller now and we're going to area code three zero seven. Hello, three Oh seven. You're on the Joe, the Dr. Joe show. (laughs) How about that? How can we help you tonight? Hello. Area code 307, are you there? Okay, Terry, oh, I hello. guess. Yo, there you go. Hello. Hi. Welcome. How can we help you this evening? Uh, yes, I was um, going to talk to you about how do I get them to communicate with me. Okay, so there's no communication taking place at all right now? Um, only when I try to talk to her about uh, bills and such um, right. and kids. And then okay. it's... Okay, let me give you the short version. Quite well. Okay, and how long has this been going on? Well, she moved out two months ago. Okay, and so So, you do have a chance to talk when you talk about business, right? I mean, if you're talking about bills or kids, you do get a chance to talk about those things, right? It's a struggle. Um, But as I've chose to do the no contact at times, uh, or when I've, like, when she's picked up kids and stuff like that, I say, Hello, how are you? Uh, how was your day and stuff? She seems to be getting nicer as like responses. It's the same response, but it's nicer. And then when she has gotten like mad at me, like the best way to explain it is somebody that's pissed off at you, but is being polite, being pissed off at you. Okay, so what are you doing to make her mad? Well, it's uh, things that I just was like trying to protect myself because she's moved out. The kids were going to my house before and after school. So I had to tell her that it's against the law, like for them to be on their own, especially like because I had to protect myself and protect the kids. So I told her we needed to get a sitter and she got all sorts of things shape about that. Okay. So she I, heard that. I was okay with it before because I was okay with it before the separation. She was mad because I changed my mind because of the separation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what I'm hearing you say is that she hears you when you say that, that you're attacking her character and integrity. You're doing something that's illegal. Is that right? 
Well, it, it was like they were in my house, so I was like trying to. I just tried to explain to her like DFS. If anything happens, she's like, "Well, what's going to happen?" Like I don't know. It's just okay. So part of the frustration is the fact she's not getting her way. I understand that. But what do you think she's thinking about you when you're saying it? What do you think she's hearing? I understand the legality, but what do you think she's hearing that you're saying about her? That it's all her fault. Okay. And if that's the way she's hearing it, then she's not going to be open to communication. Is that correct? Yes. And part of it's the fact that she will only communicate with like text message. So that makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. Well, you can choose whether or not you want to communicate by text message or by some other method. But, but if you listen to what we've been saying so far on this program, here's my suggestion to you. And that is this, understand that on those days when she's nice and she's kind, when she finally does, you know, just when you say, how, how was your day? And she's polite about it. Be very understanding, listen intently. And even on the situation such as, okay, you're leaving them here. They're not take, being taken care of. That's illegal, so forth and so on. If in that communication process, you could somehow start it with, I realize that there's a situation that's inconvenient for you and that you don't really know what to do with the kids. And I get that. And, and I surely understand your frustration, but may I tell you some considerations that I have about this, some fears I have about this. You realize that when they're there by themselves, and this is what I think, in other words, rather than starting off by telling her that she's wrong, even if she is wrong, rather than starting off by telling her that she's wrong. If you've been listening to the principles we talk about in this program, you start off by saying, I can understand why you're doing it the way you're doing it. I can understand why you feel the way that you feel. May I give you my side of it? Will you listen to me when I can show you my concerns about these things? In other words, now it's a conversation rather than, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Can you, yeah. can you see the difference in those approaches there? Well, and that's what I was trying to do. I did tell her, like, hey, we need to discuss getting a sitter for the kids because of this. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't say, hey, the kids can't come to my house or anything like that before and after school. Because right. you moved out or whatever, I said, hey, we need to discuss getting a sitter so that this can continue this way correctly. Right. Again. I understand. But do you think she felt that you were empathizing with her side of it? Even though you obviously had to stand up for what you believe. Do you think she felt that you were empathizing with her problem? Not completely. I was trying to. Okay. So. Well, I understand. I understand. I'm not saying you're a bad guy. Please don't misunderstand. This communication process, sometimes it's a little tedious because it's like, if I'm really wanting to have a conversation with you, then I've got to say things in such a way as to where you don't think that I'm putting you down, where you don't think I'm taking away all your options, where I can say to you, hey, I understand the problem. I get it. And I really want us to work out something that will work. So can we have a real conversation about this? You know, you can share what you need and I'll share what I need and you'll share your concerns. I share my concerns. If you start off with being on the same side of the table as the other person where they don't view you as being an adversary, but an ally, then you change the conversation completely. Okay. Is that making any sense to you at all? So even if I don't agree with it, just be on yeah. that side of the table. Yeah, yeah, because you don't have to wind up agreeing with her. It's just that you start off being on her side, like, I understand your side. I understand what you're trying to do here. But I also have a side, and, and I want to be heard. But I want you to first know I'm listening to you. The idea is seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. And that is a powerful communication process. And you can still wind up in the same place, like, this is illegal. We can't do it. 
but you don't start there. It, you start yeah. in a place of being, let's see if we can work this out together. Because if she sees you as being somebody who is not an adversary, she's much, much more likely to truly communicate with you. Okay? Agreed. All right, my friend. I'm going to run to another caller here. Thank you very much. Hey, Terry, what would you say about that? Well, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, and, and I'm not saying this is happening at all, but maybe she felt like she was being attacked and that her mothering skills were not being taken into consideration. And I agree with you. I think she, you know, she needs to go ahead and say what she feels and he needs to acknowledge that. And then, like you said, but here are my concerns. Let's talk about this. Uh, Because if you, if you just go ahead and say, well, no, that's illegal. You can't do those kind of things. The conversation's gone. It's over. It's done. Uh, Because maybe she felt like she was being attacked. Actually, I I had that happen with lady just the other day. Uh, I made a comment about her grandchild and I thought I was being helpful. I thought the grandchild was kind of headed off in a direction that could be dangerous. And I pointed it out to grandma and she took umbrage. <laughs> like, she heard me as questioning her care and concern for her grandchild when that was not my intent at all. And I thought, you know, there's, there's no use following this conversation any further because now she sees me as attacking her, which was not my intent at all. But until we can fix that, no other communication is taking place here. That's right. <laughs> All right, Terry, let's take another call here. This is area code 914. Hello, area code 914. You're on the hey, show. Hey, Joe. Hey, Terry. It's Tina from New York. Tina! Hey, Tina. <laughs> I'm so glad you took my call. I was getting whiplash, nodding in agreement to hearing the two of you guys have this conversation about communication. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of so my I figured I would people. weigh in. Good for you. You're one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I just um, love you to death. You're biased, but I wanted to say about from the women's side of communication. Yes, please. All right. We are big communicators. We tell you what color the sun is in the morning instead of that it's just yellow. <laughs> and when, you're, when you are attracted to somebody of the opposite sex who does not think the way you do, it is very frustrating. But for what I can learn, and I learned a lot of this, obviously, in the workshop, and then doing the 10-week course was just, it's hammered in there now for sure, is to think 10, 10, 10. In 10 minutes, what comes out of my mouth, is it really going to matter? In 10 months, is it really going to matter? And in 10 years, is it really going to matter? Is it really going to make a difference? A lot of times, I find myself very quiet, and the more that I say less, I learn more from you of the opposite sex, especially my husband. And what you were saying before about how you out-talk yourself from a point of view and you suddenly go into the other direction all the time. My husband does that all Mm. the time. And lots of times to guide him to that, I'll just say, well, wait a second, let me just make sure I understand you correctly. And then I'll repeat it back to him. And you see the look on his face going, no, that's not what I meant. (laughs) And it's great. It's, it's, and again, I've learned all of this from the whole beam team. So can I ask your permission on something? Sure, you can ask me anything. You know, my life is an open book. <laughs> can, I, uh, can I use that, uh, you know, if I, if I don't talk as much, I listen better. Can I use that with my wife? Do you give me permission to do that? <laughs> no, you were supposed to communicate more. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, real dirty she... look from across the room. I just want you to know that. Oh, she's there? Oh, no. <laughs> no, guys, if you – but the thing is, sometimes – sometimes, my opinion, I think my husband likes to hear his own voice and just kind of just talk. And uh, also the way that um, guys talk to each other, to other guys, they out-talk them, I find, mm-hmm. and they talk louder and mm-hmm. stronger, and women don't behave that way. Women just are like, you know, oh, that's crazy, you know, or that's, you know, point. They point out the obvious. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I find myself, if I let him just continue to speak, and then I say, okay, like you were saying before, I those are your thoughts, and you're certainly entitled to your thoughts because you're a human being, and I listen to yours, and so when you're, if you're done, I'd like you to hit your mind. And then I find if I'm less reactive to his active, I get more active, if that makes sense. Actually, it's beautiful. I love the way you're saying that. That is exactly right. Tina, we should just have you do this show. Right, Terry? We should should have had (laughs) Tina do this show. No, you're you're dead on, Tina. And and that's great. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you, young lady, very much. Well, I appreciate all of you guys, you, Terry, Carice, Alice, Joanne, Joanna, and Kimberly, everybody, Logan. I mean, the list is endless because I'm constantly learning. And, I, again, I first met you a year ago in March at the workshop, and I wow. came in there totally contentious, totally critical. I did the four horsemen. I swung right to that side right away. And then I did the 10-week course a few months later, and suddenly I was stonewalling and defensive. I think now I'm more in the middle. Uh, I work on myself every day and in every way. I really get a lot of help on myself by helping others. Um, I, I, I'm constantly surfing those Facebook pages, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I never mean to overstep or, or anything like that, that's for sure, but I learned you- everything from the workshop yeah, and from the 10-week course. Well, you're, you're so kind to say that, and you don't overstep. I really appreciate, Tina, how much you care about people and how much you do for them. God bless you for that, my friend. And you guys, too. So just keep up the good work. Okay, thank you so much. Have a wonderful right, evening. Thank you. Good, goodbye, Tina. And, and she's on Eastern time, so it's pretty late for her up there. Terry, what would you like to say right as we wrap up, my friend? Because our hour is up, so be quick. Uh, I think it, I just think it's so important that we understand number one how each other communicates, and, and we all communicate differently. And communication can be very difficult. It can be very hard to do. Uh, make sure that you're listening, that you're active listening, and and make sure that sometimes to 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 really communicate, you gotta shut up, and mm-hmm. and not try to get your point across as much as just making sure that they're being heard. And I, and I do that a lot. I do that a lot with my wife. I, I just I sometimes will not say anything, and she'll say, are you even listening to me? And I'll say, I'm listening to you, and, and I'll leave it at that. And so, you know, it is something that you have to work on on a daily basis. Many years ago, Terry, there was a guy who was actually in, a, in a, a business seminar, and there was a guy there who had risen up through the ranks. And back in the day, he had been a Maytag repairman. Remember the commercials about the old Maytag repairman? <laughs> he oh, been yeah. a Maytag repairman. And, and this one woman kept calling different repairmen out there from Maytag, and they'd all come back talking about how mean she was and terrible and terrible. And he said, so I decided that was it. She made the next call. I said, I'll take it. 
He said, I went out there and I gave that woman a good listening to. And we all said, what? He said, a good listening to. And that's all she needed. And she's been the sweetest, nicest lady ever since. People really want to be understood. Terry, thank you so much for being in the program. Thank everybody for participating. We'll see you, Lord willing, next Tuesday night. Thank you, Terry. Good night.